0: Okay, we, we got into. Um, well, on your page is what? It's the third paragraph on that page, right? Yeah. Well, right near the bottom of your page there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Rebbe is explaining that when we say, when the Zayar says, mm-hmm. that no thought can comprehend it, can comprehend you. Aval, that it says at the end, is the second line of that paragraph. Aval nitfas ihui is grasped. Through love of the heart so what does it mean that what does it mean that no thought can comprehend him what level of godly reality are we talking about so we're talking about atzimus because all other levels of godly reality can be understood on some level in intellect whether that's positive understanding that relates to Male, this is what we saw yesterday certain aspects of godly reality we can understand why well we experience it now, obviously we experience it in, a, in, a, in an unusual way because we're talking about godliness and so we don't experience it like we experience the taste of a cup of coffee. But the said, say just like the neshama fills the goof so God fills the world and that's an idea we can understand and we can talk about and, and, uh, and our understanding is, is clear. There are levels of elokus, levels of godly reality that we can only understand with what the Rebbe refers to as Shlilis negative comprehension. In other words, I understand what it isn't, but not what it is. Anytime you and I discuss infinite reality, we only understand what it is not, right? I don't know what infinite is. There's no word in English to describe infinite positively. I right? think it's just not finite. It's not limited. It's not whatever it happens, whatever state of reality we might understand. What page are we? Page 66, all the way to the bottom of the page. Right. So, so, the the but there is some level of comprehension to the extent that we spend a great deal of time learning about those levels of Elokus, right, in Chassidus. Now, not necessarily the Chassidus you learn at the beginning of your learning of Chassidus. In this class, for instance, we don't spend a lot of time talking about levels of Sevev, even though the mimer that we're going to start as soon as we finish this, the Rebbe's going to explain two different levels of Sevev to us. He's going to explain two different levels of Ratzon. Of, uh, called Arich and Atik, we'll get there, right? But but it's all over this Okay, so there is a level of understanding of those levels of reality. And they're described in terms of what they aren't, in terms as, a, as opposed to in terms of what they are. Relative to Atzimus, relative to the essence of God, there's no understanding whatsoever. It's completely, I, 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 the only thing I can say about the essence of God is that it is. Right? There is such a level of reality. That's called, what can we understand? In Chassidus it's referred to as we can understand the Matsyus. We can understand the existence of such a level. But we have no comprehension whatsoever of its Mahus. What is it? Maze. That's called Mahus. Meaning, what is it truly? No clue. All right infinite godly light okay I can discuss that at great length right the state of revelation that is that is infinite and, and not expressed in any particular way I can talk about the fact that contained in that infinite reality is all of the all of those aspects of godliness that it that do or that are uh, revealed in the context of what you and I call Irma Male, in the context of some level of revealed godliness, where I do see, so to speak, different aspects of godliness. I see Chesed, Gvura, what what spheres. Right, talk about ten spheres. Okay, so that level of that level of godly is that exist in the infinite light. Of course, it exists in the infinite light. It's not revealed, right? It's not in the state of revelation anyway. Shape or form, in the infinite light. It's there, right? Okay, an example in physical light. We've talked about it so many times, right? Physical light. The light of the sun, if you look at that light, if you see that light, it appears colorless. But what do you know? It's full of color. (laughs) Every photon has some color related to it. Okay, fine. Right? So, so whatever, but I don't see the color. Why? Well, because in, in that state, before that light has been expressed, or in this context, reflected off any particular clay, any particular vessel, so the light, the color in that light is hidden. Right? But that book there happens to reveal all of the blue in light. If there were no blue in light, you could not see blue in that book. The blue comes... Now, of course the, the, the book is blue. I get it. But the light is also blue. <laughs> the light has the ability to re- reveal itself in blue. And were the person who was controlling the light in this room, were you to block all the blue photons in, that, in the light that you and I experience, we wouldn't experience the blue book. It would be some other color, or it would be gray, right? Look gray to us. Why? Well, because no blue photons are allowed to reflect off that book. What's that book doing? That book is reflecting all the blue photons and absorbing all the other ones. That's why you and I see it the way we see it. Okay? So what does that mean? That means the light's full of those blue photons, also full of red and yellow ones that we don't see. It's all there. It just doesn't come into a state of revelation until it's revealed, in terms of physical light, until it's reflected off a cle, off a vessel. We've talked about this before. Right? A muscle, another muscle, where are we holding in the month? We're at the end of the month. Okay, there's no moon up there. Also it just got cloudy and it's gonna be cloudy for a week, so we're not gonna see a moon for a while. Okay, but Hashem, it should rain lots over the next week. So the, the Oh, when you look up in the sky you see a moon. All right, fine. So now what's the why why do you see the moon? What do you really see? The reflection of sunlight. Off the moon. Okay, where's the sun? Ninety three million miles away from the moon. Or maybe a little more, right, because it's 93 million miles away from us, and I guess there's another quarter of a million miles to the moon, okay, so to speak. I don't know if it works that way, but I guess it does. Fine. So the sun is on the other side of us, so to speak, and the moon's up there, and you see sunlight reflecting off the moon. Okay, so let's put the sun over here and the moon up there, and we're down here. This space, what is it absolutely full of, obviously? Nothing. it's not full of nothingness. That's not true at all. What's it full of? Light. light. <laughs> Chock full of sunlight. Right? How do you know? Well, the light doesn't jump from here to here. The light travels from here to here at 186,000 miles per second, which is faster than you and I can even run. Okay, right? Isn't that true? Okay, so why aren't they aware of all of the light in this space? Because it's a vacuum and light is it revealed there? Not because it's not there. It's there. How do I know it's there? Well, when the moon moves over here, guess what? <laughs> there's light over here. Huh? Why, do I, why don't I see the light? Because there's no clee to reflect the light. It's not that it's not there. I just don't see it. Right? OK. So that's one of the mesholem used for the idea that in order for us to experience the revelation of light, there has to be a clea. there has to be a vessel. Now, in physicality, that's really the way it works. So that also helps us understand godly reality. So the light that's reflected in a kli, that's called mamale. And that level of light, you and I can understand very clearly because we experience it in Elam The light that's, that's too powerful to be reflected in the kli, to be clothed in khalim, that's called seivik. Do I understand it? I can talk about it. I can't talk about what it is, I can talk about what it isn't because it's an infinite state of reality, but there's all sorts of siddhas about that level of reality. Okay. Etzim, the essence of a Baruch Hu, so to speak, the source of the light? There's nothing to talk about. What can I talk about? Again, as we said, I can talk about its Mitsias, it is, its existence. I can't talk about its being, Mahus, what it is. I have no clue. Why? Right? We've mentioned so many times the exercise you should have when you think about what does it mean there's a god? There's a being that doesn't have any source. He just is. He, I mean that itself is not true, but okay, we'll say it because that's how we refer to things that are sort of genderless, we call them he. Okay, fine. We mm-hmm. won't say it about a good tomorrow. Right? okay, so etzim. Etzim is, is, is a level of reality that has no source. What do you mean? It has to come from somewhere? No, it didn't come from anywhere. Everything else comes from somewhere, but it doesn't. Infinite godly light comes from somewhere. Infinite godly light has a beginning doesn't have an end, but it has a beginning. No beginning to God. How can there not be a beginning? Everything has a beginning. I can relate to something not having an end. If God wants, every single one of us in this room could live forever. We don't have to have an end. There's there's no necessity that we have an end. I mean, it happens to be Alpi Teva, the way Teva works right now, that we we all have an end. But we don't have to. I mean, our physical body has an end. Our soul doesn't have an end. But our physical body has an end. It doesn't have to when Mashiach comes. Chaim we're evidently going to live forever. What does that mean? I don't know. Do we age? I guess not. The people who come back in the bodies with Trius amazing how old are they when they come back? We'll figure that out, won't we? We'll see. We'll be around and we'll watch and it'll be pretty cool. All of a sudden someone shows up. Go, ah, Uncle Mort. Wow. Cool. Haven't seen him for a while. Okay. They'll all show up. How old are they going to be? What physical state will they be in when they come back? They were 95 and not well when they passed away. Do they come back 95? I would assume not. Maybe they come back looking 95, but they can run a 100-yard dash in in 10 seconds. I don't know. We'll see how it works. But that's all in the context of, you know, the fact that they ended, that's all in the context of the nature that exists now. When Mashiach comes, so one of the things that's going to happen is Chaim Nitzchim will live forever. That's not a a problem. I can understand that. But I can't understand something not having a beginning. Every neshama has a beginning. just might not have an end. The neshama that spent 120 years in this world and then went to Gan Eden, where is it? It's in Gan Eden. It's not ending. It doesn't disappear. It lives forever. But it has a beginning. Atzmos, the essence of God, has no beginning. Well, what do you mean? Where did he come from? He didn't. Why is he there? No reason. What's the purpose of his being? No purpose. It's no purpose to God's being. He just is. Right? He, 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 oh no, he, God is, exists in order to create me. Whoa. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> well. I mean, you know, there's ethnocentric and egocentric. That's that's a little too much. You know, God creates. God exists. To create the world. What a Chazal tell us about the creation of the world? We've done this exercise before, right? I apologize if you've heard it before, but it's something we have to drill into our brain until it's so clearly there that it's as, it's as, as much part of our reality as not crossing busy streets. Right? What a Chazal say about God creating the world? One thought. In one thought, God created all of time and all of space. Not all of time and all of space that exists in this thought, in this moment. All of time and all of space are created by one thought. OK. I picked up the, the phone. Did I pick up the phone? Yes. Is picking up the phone? Is picking up the phone in any way, shape or form, definitional of who I am? Absolutely not. Right. If I didn't pick up the phone, would I be any different? No. All right. Okay. All of time and all of space in God's life is like that in your life. I mean, less, because your, life, your physical life is finite at this point. Right? Okay. So to call God creator of the world? Okay, that's like calling me, the guy who picked up the phone. It's true, but it doesn't define him in any way, shape, or form. It defines those levels of godliness that you and I can understand. Okay, that's fine, that's all a part, part and parcel of God as the creator of the world. But the apester ab- the himself? It's just a state of absolute isness. Yesh Amiti, true being. Didn't come from anywhere, not going anywhere. Because true being doesn't have a source in anything else. Right? It just is. Doesn't require anything else to be. Everything else requires something else to be, except the essence of God. God Himself, Mamish. Beyond all names, beyond all states of revelation, not godly light, the source of godly light. It's called the Ma'ur the source of the light, not light, godly light, is limited. How is godly light limited? Well, certain aspects of godly light are limited because they can only express themselves in infinite reality. So they're limited, they can only be infinite. Other aspects of godly light are limited because they can only express themselves in some state of finitude. It's called namale. Okay? Limited. The Ebersteer is not limited. God's not infinite. Infinite's limited. can't express itself in finite. God can he can express Himself in finite and infinite. Because he's not limited by either. Why is infinite finite? is it? Because it can't be finite. Why can't it not? Because then it's not infinite. But if it's something is Hashem is infinite, or if something is infinite, why can't it create something that's that's finite? Be- that How common? can because those are two completely different states of reality. That's the question that yeah. philosophers. So why, why would I expect to, to plant an apple tree and get a, get an orange tree? How does if something's infinite? You can do anything, right? No, it can only be infinite, <laughs> right? <laughs> infinite doesn't mean unlimited. Infinite is a state of being, not finite. That means I can't. I, that level of reality can't be expressed in finite. That's its nature. Once it is, so it's no longer infinite. An infinite number. It's an infinite number, it's not a finite number. You want to turn it into a finite number? Okay, round it off. But now it's no longer an infinite number, now it's a finite number. Right? That, right? It might be still it's still part of an infinite set of numbers, right? Meaning, you know, be easier in terms of space here. Two pl- points in space. Right? How many points in space are there in between those two points in space? An infinite amount of space. Well an infinite amount of points in space, but not an infinite amount of space. There's, you know, whatever, call it 8 inches in between those two, right? 25 centimeters here. Here I've got 25 centimeters, good. How many points in space are there in those 25? An infinite amount of points in space. I could keep putting another, another dot, so to speak. Okay. But each of those dots is a finite point in space. They're part of an infinite set. Of points. But they they themselves are finite. Here, right there. Okay. How many in here? Also infinite. How many in here? Also infinite. How many in between those my two fingers? Infinite. My fingers aren't touching. We know that. Right. I experience them touching. Put them under a microscope. Turn it up, 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 up. What do you see in between my fingers? Space. <laughs> problem. Right. I mean, put that in under the microscope and what will you see? Space. <laughs> right? What do you mean? I'm just a bunch of… Yeah, there are all sorts of empty space in there. Turn it up and you'll see nothing. What do you mean nothing? You'll see space. Right? Like, you know, the space in between the smallest particles you see. Just keep turning it up, 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 and you'll see nothing. What do I… Dis- just Disappeared? I'm still there. Right? Okay. That, but that's all infinite. Finite and infinite dance in this world, absolutely. This world is not solely finite. Infinite's here all the time just not revealed, because as we said earlier, if something's not expressed in a cli, so it's not revealed, doesn't mean it's not there. Okay. God's beyond infinite, that's why he can create finite and infinite, and that's why he can cause infinite light to be the source of a finite world. Infinite light itself, in terms of its own nature, can't be the source of finite, because that's not what it is. That's like a human giving birth to a monkey. A human can't give birth to a monkey. Why not? That's not what I am. All right. Okay, but if God wants, what could he do? A human could give birth to a monkey. Why? Because God's not a human and not a monkey and not limited by either state of being of humanness or monkeyness. So he can do whatever he wants. So he can take infinite light and cause it to be to be revealed in a finite form. <clears throat> no problem for him. But what level of godliness can do that? Not infinite light, because infinite light is, nat- is naturally infinite. That's what it is. Right? And it has a source. It came from somewhere. Where? Maor, source of light. What's that? Edson. That's the level of godliness you and I can't understand. When we say you believe in God, why do you believe in God? You can know all sorts of things in God. You don't have to believe. Meaning you can bring that belief into your conscious Intellect and understand it. Okay, so so no one should say they believe God created the world. That's completely untenable. Why? You shouldn't believe God created the world. You should be able to explain how God created the world. You and I don't call that belief. Unless you say, I believe that aspirin cure headaches. You can say that. But really, you and I would say, I know aspirin cure headaches. I mean, you know, certain headaches, not every one, but aspens, you know, if you have a headache, take an aspirin, it'll go away, probably, right? Do I believe that? Well, on the deepest level, level, yes, I believe that, because I can't prove it. But you and I call that knowing. If I can know anything, I know that. Do I know that if I hit the table, it's going to make a noise? Well, yes. It's based on a belief system, that that which happens a million times will happen a million and one. That's called science, right? Okay, and that's a perfectly reasonable system, and I believe in that system. So I believe that if I hit the table now, there's going to be a noise. But I know that if I hit the table now, there's going to be a noise. That's why I don't hit the table if you're asleep, because I don't want to wake you up. Oh, I didn't know it was going to make a noise. What do you mean you didn't know it was going to make a noise? What's wrong with you? Of course, you knew it was going to make a noise. Why'd you slam the door? I was asleep. Oh, I didn't know it was going to make a noise. That's not a tenable argument. That's called selfish. How long does it take to explain that Hashem created the world? It depends who you're talking to? How so long it does can... it take to truly understand it? I mean, you sit and learn things. things. Sit and learn. Say this. I don't know. Long. You, you've asked this question so many times. How long? Just sit and do it, and you'll figure out how long. How long it takes. You've asked me about Gemara. Now you've asked me about knowing about this. Don't worry about that part. Just sit down today and do what you have to do, and in the end, you're gonna—it's f- all gonna work out. I mean, to 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 somebody, <laughs> to somebody. No, to... you want the question for yourself. Don't put it on the like the guy who comes to the rabbi and says, "Rabbi, my friend did a terrible avera. What should he do?" Okay. So the, the rabbi said, well, why didn't you just tell your friend to come to me and tell me that some, one of his friends did a terrible event? Well, you should tell him to do that. right? So, so don't worry. There's no timetable. right? Just sit down and learn what you're supposed to learn and what you have to learn. In the end, you're going to figure it all out. right? If a guy in first year of medical school keeps asking the doctor who's teaching him, how long until I know how to do this, he's going to be a crummy doctor. If he sits down and learns medicine, at the end, he's going to learn enough medicine so he'll be able to help people. Right? So, that's what we do. Learn, Learn. okay. So that's that's that. You know, that's atzmus like We know what I. That's atzmus. Right. Story about two chassidim. They even have names. I don't remember who it was. Two chassidim and Kfar You know, real chassidim in Kfar all times. I mean, they both came from Russia. I, I don't remember who it is. I, 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 but they, they were sitting and they were for bringing and and one said to the other, and we can say it in Yiddish because, what's atzmus? What's atzmus? He looks at me, atsmus, face, is, I, I know what Atmos is and I know what is. No, is Nu <laughs> So this goes back and forth a few times till finally the one who's asked the question says "No, Atmos is starts to say and the guy gives him a slap do You know what Asmus you know is. You're gonna answer my question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Evidently that really happened and we know who the I just don't I think one of them was very I don't remember who, who who the two Hasidim were. But I was in talk about it if for- I someone overheard these two old Hasidim having this conversation. Right? What's Asmus? Okay, so that's what the Zariah says. A vowel, the what's the end of it? It is comprehended with love of the heart. Okay, so that's what the Rebbe wants to explain. Now, before we get there, there's, there's going to be a three or four difficult lines where the Rebbe discusses two super-rational states of intellect. I don't know that sounds centered somewhat. Contradictory, but I mean two states of intellect that are beyond our conscious <coughs> reality, right? And even those two extremely powerful states of intellect can't comprehend locus. That's what the Rebbe is about to say, in in the next few lines. And that, that's v'yaseidimizu. Furthermore, we're in the fifth line, I believe, in your book, also, right? Where are we holding the last line of the book? Okay, third line? Third to last line. Third to last line. How do you have more lines? That doesn't make sense. Okay. I'm Complete reprinting, I mean. Right? Okay. Third last line on page sixty-six. Rebbe says. Bisayrimzu. Furthermore, the shayek sham Right? It's not relevant there in any way, shape, or form. Positive I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You say this. The Gamma also Hanocha Sichlis. Hanocha sikhlis is what you and I would call axiomatic knowledge. Something that I know just because I know. I haven't really thought about it. I mean, it just is. It, it just, it's just one of those things that people take for granted as, as knowledge. Okay? That's called an axiom in English. Right? So, I mean, it's not something that I necessarily have to try to understand deeply with my intellect. It's just so obvious. So there's a level of Chachma. There's a level of your intellect that is so powerful that it can relate to all of reality that way. and even a le- level beyond that called de Chokma. Ri'iah is sight, the sight of Chokhmah, meaning a level of intellect that comprehends things as clearly as if one's seen it, as opposed to simply understood it. These are these are two different levels in intellect that power our conscious intellect but are beyond our conscious intellect. <laughs> even those two very, very powerful levels of intellect the rabbi says do not comprehend the essence of God. These two very powerful states of, it's still intellect, but it's intellect that's beyond the intellect that you and I experience consciously. Even though these two extremely powerful states of intellect, ultimately, who al it still ultimately is by virtue of grasping together through some limited defined reality, and it's a certain description of the reality of something. Meaning by definition, something has to be limited to the for, for me to be able to describe it to myself intellectually. Even understand on the highest level of intellect. It has to be something to understand that has some defined reality unto itself. This whole idea is not relevant to Atzimus. The fact that I can't understand Atzimus isn't because I'm not smart enough. It's because intellect understanding Atzimus is like an orange understanding physics. No matter how long you talk to the orange, he won't get it. Right? Okay, another example in intellect itself. No matter how long you try to explain intellectually the color orange to someone who is born blind, you will never be able to explain it to him. Why? Well, that's not because or, you know, he, does, he's, he doesn't have enough intellect to understand it. It's because orange is not an intellectual idea. Orange is a visual reality. And he doesn't have that. doesn't exist. Someone who does see... So you can explain a color orange to that person that they've never seen, right? Two designers of, you know, women's clothing sitting in some interesting design house in Italy, right, discussing a certain fabric and a certain color, and they could talk about it, even though no one's ever actually printed that color on that fabric, and they could sort of talk about it, like, could we make that happen? And they could make that happen. Okay, and then they produce this fabric with this interesting color and they, you know, make some garment out of it and they get famous. Okay. They ne- neither of them ever saw that color purple before. So they could talk about it. Why? Because they know what purple is. So they could talk about different shades of purple and a lot slightly lighter purple or a bolder purple or whatever, they could, they could talk about it. Someone who never saw, ever. It's not there. Why, well, is that a limitation of their intellect? No. Just, it's not intellect can't, I mean, it's, an, it's, a, it's a limitation of intellect to the extent that intellect can't understand sight if it's never seen. Right, if the person never saw. Okay. Beethoven couldn't write the Ninth Symphony if he had never heard. He did hear. Then he went deaf. Then he wrote the Ninth. Right? Why? Because he could hear it in his head. He just couldn't hear it in his ears. But he could hear it in his head because sound was something he could relate to. What if he was born deaf? Then he couldn't write the first, let alone the ninth. How can a deaf person possibly write a symphony? That's absurd. Right? There's no concept. Right? Write the notes on a page and try to explain to them how it'll be ex- those notes will express different sounds. What's a sound? What? What is that if you're deaf? (laughs) There's no such thing. Say that to, you know, like you'll say, orange. Well, it's sort of warm. What does that mean to someone who's never seen orange? You can explain it in terms of frequency. You can say, this note vibrates at this frequency. This note, like, A corresponds to... Okay, but say that doesn't mean anything. doesn't. Right? That doesn't mean anything if you've never heard. Right? Meaning, it's very interesting how they, you know, te- they, they I don't know what they do now, but they, you know, they used to teach kids to talk by virtue of vibrations, on the, you know, to make sounds by, by, li- by feeling a throat. Really? Yeah. And they'd feel someone else's throat and do that. Kids who didn't hear would be taught how to talk, because usually people who are deaf talk funny, so to speak, right? Because they, they don't hear what it sounds like, so they're not going to enunciate as clearly as someone who isn't deaf might. Okay, fine. But all of that's completely... You know, I, mean, I assume a physicist could explain to us you know, what you just said about sound. A physicist could explain to us about color. But that doesn't mean anything if I've never seen it. All right. Yeah, you don't have point of reference. Right, well, exactly. I don't have any point of reference. All right. Okay, so intellect is limited. I know that. Fine. So even the highest states of intellect are limited in their ability to understand the essence of God and just they can't go there. It's not because they're not smart enough. It doesn't fit into intellect like color doesn't fit into intellect for the blind person. It's not there. Okay. Another thing that doesn't fit into intellect, if you've never experienced it, we've talked about this lately. I heard this from Rabbi Levinger and it captured my imagination. Love. Explain love to someone who's never experienced love. You can't prove love in a laboratory. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. If anybody ever talks to you about not being able to prove God in a laboratory, ask them if they believe in love. Do you believe in love? So what do you mean believe in love? I know there's something called love. How do you know there's something called love? Prove in the laboratory there's something called love. Prove that to me. You can't prove love in the laboratory. Why not? <clears throat> it's not an idea. It's an emotion. Emotions aren't ideas. They're emotions. Those are two completely different things. Do you and I think about our emotions? Of course we think about our emotions. Why? Because we experience them. What if I don't experience it? Then I can't think about it, can I? <laughs> right. Never, some kid who was never shown love by his parents or anybody else. Does he believe in it? No. Watch how he acts the rest of his life. Maybe someone will teach him about it later in life. Hopefully. Because whoa, what a life. But there's people who don't believe in love. All sorts of people. Right? They'll call it that, but I mean what you know, what a sophisticated understanding of love. The idea of completely and totally giving yourself over to another human being. That's not how most people describe relationships today, because they don't believe in love. What do they believe in? What can I get from this relationship? That's not love. I mean, it might be called love, but it's called love of me, not of them. What can they give me? That's what all the rock and roll songs talk about. What you give me, that's not love. What I give you, that's love. (laughs) Hello? What are you talking about in your song? So the people who listen to the songs and think that's love, so that's why, you know, they're they're good at getting married, just not staying married. might fall through it, not in it. Falling in it is also a funny thing. You don't (laughs) fall in. You might fall into a pit, but you don't fall in love a conscious decision to work on a relationship. So what happens is that hopefully the love in that relationship grows and grows and becomes stronger and stronger because you have to make a commitment to that person before that love grows. Love is based on commitment, not the other way around. It's not that you fall in love and then make a commitment. That doesn't work. Statistics say that doesn't work. That's the way people do it now. Right? 90% at least of those relationships fail. I know there's only a fifty only a fifty percent divorce rate. How many relationships did those people have before they entered into the final relationship called marriage? Probably three, four, five serious relationships. If you had asked them in the middle of the relationship, do you love this person, they'd say yes. The relationship ends. How many relationships in college, high school, college, you know, beginning of their working life, finds. Then they finally find someone and they marry them. Fifty percent of those fail. We're talking about a 90 plus percent failure rate in relationships. Why? I I don't have the answer to that question. I'm not, you know, the shell answer man, but simply because the equation's all wrong. The equation in the Western world is you fall in love and then make a commitment. No, it's not how it works. First you make a commitment, then you fall in love. That works. Statistically, that works. That's why the marriages of the religious Jewish world work better. Perfectly, of course not. People aren't perfect. There's a get in the Torah. God says it might not work. This is what you do if it doesn't. Right? That's God saying that. It's just the way people can be. Right? Perfectly reasonable, good, wonderful people. I'm okay. But the, the, the basic, the basic recipe is commitment, and that and love grows out of the commitment. Now, obviously, the commitment is based on a certain spark, certain connection. Right? You know, just you know, meet someone, get married, and make it work. I mean, well, some people do that; but that also works. But but you know, m- most people they meet and, and they develop a certain basic relationship through meeting three, four, five, six, seven times, whatever it happens to be, and and there's a spark, and they decide, okay, and they commit to each other through that commitment. what the Rebbe say to someone once in Yichidus, she talks about it. A woman who was, uh, was about seventy, Mrs. Uh, new from Massachusetts, Sharfstein, Mrs. Sharfstein. So, uh, so she said, uh, she said she went into the Rebbe as a young girl. She was having a hard time finding a shidduch. The Rebbe, she was in yichudis with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe mentioned eight names of Bachar. The Rebbe actually mentioned eight Bachar. She had met every single one of them. Just didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Okay. Then they went on to talk about something else. Then the Rebbe asked her, What do you do in your spare time? She said, She reads novels. What kind of ro- novels? Romantic novels. This is like 65 years ago. So, so the Rebbe said, Aha, maybe we know the problem. You think that it's supposed to be like it is in the novels, that there's supposed to be some explosion of, of, of incredible romantic love before you make a commitment. The Rebbe says, That's not how it works. She says, ah, So the Rebbe explained to her, and she, she's, she's, there's a, you know, My encounters with the Rebbe, one of those, she talks about it. She says what the Rebbe told her. So the Rebbe said to me that it starts as a a tiny little spark and then a little, little flame, and the people based on that flame get married. Then they have to be very, very, very careful not to douse that small little flame. And they work on it, and sooner or later that flame grows until it's an all-consuming fire. says, that's how relationships work. Some relationships work. You don't even know the person you're getting married to. How can you possibly know them? How many times did you meet them? And even if you met them for four years, you really know them? When do you get to know someone? They're your roommate. Now you know them. Oh my goodness gracious. I didn't know his toes looked like that. Right? <laughs> how do you know how many times a person showers a week before you meet them? <laughs> you live with them, right? Might bother you. Maybe you want them to shower fourteen times a week and they only shower ten times a week. Might bother you. Okay, used to it. <laughs> now you have to shower fourteen times a week or this isn't gonna work. Let's give each other a paper full of demands. What you have to do to make me happy. No no no. You do what you have to do to make them happy. You worry about them. They'll, worry. They'll hopefully do exactly the same for you, but that's not your job. Your job in the relationship isn't to do what they're supposed to do. Your job in the relationship is to do what you're supposed to do for them. You do that, and everything will work out. Hopefully they're going to do the same, and then everything works out. I spend my time making sure that you do what you're supposed to do, and if you're doing that to me, well, well that's two bumper cars bumping into each other in the play, in the, in the what do they call it, in the, no, in the carnival. Right. <laughs> those bumper cars they still have bumper cards, is there's still such a thing right. we had them as kids they were fun we're <coughs> bumping the guy <laughs> okay doesn't work in relationships okay back to God here right that, that's also God because the same thing works in the relationship with God <clears throat> right many people enter into their relationship with God okay God what are you giving me I want to feel uplifted spiritual I want meaning in my life I want Hello. Yeah, that's not your job in the relationship. <laughs> your job in the relationship is to give God what He wants. All right? His job is to give you what you what you need. To say, to him. He's doing a pretty good job of that. Did you wake up this morning? You gonna have breakfast? You have clothes? You warm? He's doing a pretty good job at his part. <laughs> you do your part. What's your part? Whatever He wants. That's your part. That's what it means. In your relationship with your wife, what are you going to do? Whatever she wants. That's your part. That's your that's your part in the relationship. But she does what you want. Fine. That's her. Stay out of her business. You do your business. All right. Okay, stay out of God's business. Oh, well, wait a minute, God. You're supposed to give me... Who says? He does his job just fine. Let him do his job. All right. You do yours. What's yours? Get up in the morning, learn, daven, give stucca, go to work, be a mensch, educate your kids right. That's your job do it. Instead of his job, running the world. He does a pretty good job at running the world. It, humans get in the way and mess it up, but God does a pretty good job. and this is what it means, now the Rabbi says, uh, sort of like gerasha. this is what it means, leis machshava What's machshava? So the Rabbi says machshava these two different levels of wisdom that we just said. Machshava or it says, chashav, ma. The word makshav is made up of five letters. The three middle letters, chashav. The first and last letter, ma. What do those represent? Those represent those two different levels of chokhmah that we just mentioned. Chashav hi Chashav represents the level of the axiomatic level of intellect, which we talked about. Uma, that's an even higher level. That's what the word chokhmah is. Kayach Ma, the potentiality of Ma, the ability to ask maze that only humans have, right? Dogs have intellect. Right? Dogs can figure out how to find food. They definitely have intellect. Intellect that serves their emotions. Right? Meaning, what do I want? What's tev Li, What's good for me? The dog can figure out what's good for him and try to find some way of accomplishing that. Dogs don't have intellect to do 5 times 5 is 25. That a dog can't do. But dogs have intellect. It's just not human intellect. Of course they have intellect. Sometimes the dog will outsmart you. Maybe the fox will outsmart you. He'll get your chicken. You're trying to make sure he doesn't get your chicken, but somehow he just figures out how to get your chicken. He's pretty smart, that fox. He figured out how to get into the chicken coop and get your chicken. Why? Is that He knows this is good for me. Tev without Lee? That the fox doesn't understand. What's good without me? It's not good for me. It's just good. Don't talk to a fox about that. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Your animal soul might not know naturally what that is. But it can be educated to appreciate Tev as opposed to simply Tev Lee. It's good for me. The nature of the animal soul is the only, it's because it's an animal, right? It only understands the, the, the intellect of the animal soul, the intellect of the emotions of the animal soul, is that it only understands Masha Tevli, what's good for me. But it can be educated to also appreciate Masha Tev, netto. Good. Even though it might not necessarily be something that's easy or good for me, but it's Tev. It's good. That's called maturity. I'm sorry. There is no thought that can comprehend Atzmus. Even these two extraordinary levels of wisdom, intellect. Even relative to these, by virtue of these very lofty states of intellect. It's impossible that there should be any grasping of the essence of God. Ah, that's the first half of the statement of the Zohar, And that's the part of the Zohar. that's the statement, that, that the, the part of the statement that's quoted all the time. Quoted in the constantly. Okay, Aye, but the, the, there's a second half of this statement in the Zohar, And it says, But whatever can't be comprehended by intellect, and we just decided that's Atmus can be grasped by Reus de Liba, love of the heart. What's that? Well, obviously not intellect, something else. Let's see. But it can be grasped through love of the heart. This level, this quality and level of godly reality. That thought cannot comprehend it. And we know that that's Atmos. That's what the rabbis taught us in the beginning of this paragraph. That level is comprehended by love of the heart. What's that? I'm sorry, not what's that yet, yet. We're going to get to that. dafka, Love of the heart, specifically. It doesn't comprehend. That's intellectual. Grasps, connects to, has some relationship with the quality of the essence of God. Okay, so how's that work? And again, this is all to understand the question that we asked in the statement of Rava. Rava said, Tachlis meisim tevi. And what did that mean according to Rashi? Right? And that is, that's what the Frida Rebbe asked about, and that's what the Rebbe explaining. What does that, that mean? That means not, well, we won't say what it doesn't mean, because we want to forget what it doesn't mean. We want to know what it does mean. It means... The ultimate expression of chokhmah is chokhmah that is expressed with tshuva, meaning, so to speak, after chuva. not chokhmah that produces chuva, which makes sense, first think about it and then change, no, chokhmah that is expressed having done chuva. And then the Rabbi asks, well, what does tshuva it got to do with intellectual understanding? Why can't a person understand in a very, very sophisticated and deep way without having done chuva? It's one got to do with the other. Other rabbi would assume that Chuva leads uh, intellect leads to tshuva. It's necessary. So how does it work? That was our question. So that's where we're about to start answering. Va'inyin The idea in this is by, by first understanding this maimer Zaya, Who can by mimer sham? As the Frida rabbi explains in the maimer, the maimer in in Kuntresum, that the rabbi's been learning the whole time through this maimer. The in the in the reality of love. Sa Adam, that this is the essence of a person's avedah, this person's service of God, as Chazal say, musa, There is no service like the service of love. That even though the base, the basis of our service of love is Yira, Kabbalah soul, commitment, right? what we call commitment. That's the beginning of every relationship. You said hopefully every day, right? We have a custom every single day before we daven to say the first section of the 41st chapter in Tanya that talks about the beginning of a veda and its source is not love, but fear. And what does fear mean in that context? What you and I call kabbalah's ol. Commitment. The beginning of every relationship is commitment because a relationship is about the other person, not about me. Right? So the love grows out of the commitment in our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch right? You don't have a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch if you're not committed to doing what he wants and everything he wants. Kabbal, what we call Kabbalah soul, Because otherwise, my, what, that doesn't mean I'm not keeping Shabbos, that doesn't mean I'm not eating kosher, that doesn't mean I'm not learning Torah, that doesn't mean I'm not davening. I might be doing all sorts of wonderful things. But if it's not based on commitment, it has nothing to do with the Kaddish Baruch, it has to do with myself. I find this uplifting, I find that this gives me meaning in life, I find that this gives me a certain positive feeling, I feel good about myself, which is all good stuff, but don't, don't say it has anything to do with God. God is a prop to make me feel better about myself. Is that possible? It's very possible. That might even be Probable and normal in the beginning of a person's relationship with the Godesh Baruch that isn't yet a relationship with the Godesh Baruch well, I mean a person's beginning of their relationship with Judaism, right? What's it about? Well, what I expect it to be. I assume, it's, I assume it's going to be about me because what have I been thinking about my whole life? Me. Has anybody told me to think about anything else? No. So that's probably what I'm going to do in my relationship with the Yiddish God at the beginning. Okay, how is this good for me? This is making me a better person, and this is giving me meaning in life, and structure in life, and it's good, and learning Gemara is intellectual push-ups, it makes my intellect better, etc. Okay. At a certain point, what hopefully will happen, that will be the beginning of a Vedas Hashem, a person makes a commitment to a Kodesh Baru, it's no longer about me, it's about him. This is what he wants. It has nothing to do with me. I mean, I'm doing it, but it's about him. That's called commitment. That's Reishisa Veda. That's what the 41st chapter of Tanya, and that's why we say it every day before Davini to remind ourselves. The beginning of it all is I acknowledge you, Zehu. This is about you, it's not about me. It's the first step in a void. Right. Are all those things that lead up to that worthless? Well, they're incredibly important, amazing, and incredible. Someone who used to not keep Shabbos is now keeping Shabbos. All the wrong reasons. Who cares? It's amazing. They're keeping Shabbos. Fantastic. They used to eat McDonald's hamburgers. Now they don't eat McDonald's hamburgers. Fantastic. Great. Also for their body, not just their soul, but their, their, for their soul. It's amazing. Okay. Is that necessarily service of God? No. Does that mean it's bad? No, it's incredible. But is it where they should be? No. There's places to go. What do they have to do? What's the first thing they have to do? This is about God. It's not about me. Oh. That's the first step. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> But ultimately, where is that supposed to lead? Not stay there. That's Reishis Avedah, The beginning of aveda is that commitment to a Kaddish Baruch Whatever he wants, he gets. I like it, I don't like it, I can relate to it, I can't relate to it, I understand it, I don't understand it. That's irrelevant. Okay. But what's it supposed to lead to? Love. And that's what the Rebbe is saying here. That the Iker of Aveda is to come to a state of love. Loving God. And in that love, Yesh Beis there's two levels: bechinas aava the level of love, habah that comes al yadeb as a result of his beinenus contemplation, begdulah sva philosophy in the greatness and the wonder of God. Right? That's what the Balatanya talks about at great length. Right? contemplate the greatness of God and that will arouse in you a desire to have a relationship with him and you might actually come to love him because you appreciate his beauty and greatness and majesty and then I'll come to love him okay, 100% with other people right? if you're having a difficulty in a relationship with a, with a particular person that you think it's important you have a relationship with What's a, an important thing to do? What's causing the difficulty? You're probably focusing on negative aspects of them and the relationship. So stop focusing on the negative and think about the positive. And that will arouse in you a, 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 a more positive feeling towards them. Perfectly reasonable. Why, do you ever, why is this person your friend in the first place? Well, because then you can name five really positive things about this person. Okay. Okay that will arouse in you a, a more positive feeling. Fine. Right. That makes sense. If we focus on the negative, of course, I going have a negative. If give you a person in their marriage keeps thinking about what their spouse doesn't do, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this, it doesn't. they're going to be walking around annoyed all day. They think about all the positive aspects of that person, which is what you know attracted them to that person in the first place, so then they'll probably be walking around with a much more positive look on their face all day. Okay? And that's work. It takes work to do that. You have to do that in a relationship. If you're committed to the relationship, one of the things you're going to do is that, in order to maintain the relationship. Because you're committed to it. It's not something you've decided that, you know, is theoretically disposable. It's not disposable. This isn't a disposable relationship. This lasts. This is fine china. I don't throw it away. Okay, so what do I have to do? I have to work and make sure that I take care of it. You don't, you know, you find china. You don't start, you know, throwing it into the sink. You just don't do that with fine china. You can do that with a plastic cup, and you can do that with a, you know, even a plastic cup that you're going to wash and put in the drain. Okay, throw it in the sink. It's a piece of plastic. This isn't plastic. It's something very, very dear, very, very, very special. Okay, so treat it that way. It takes work to treat it that way. That's one level of love. But then there's a different level of love. Today. The level of love, the level of love, the level of love, that comes from beyond intellect meaning a love that's an expression of an essential connection and that the rabbi says nikra oh that's what we've been calling love of the heart meaning it's not stum love of the heart it's a specific expression of love and what's that love that comes as a result of an essential connection everybody's going to explain what that means as opposed to the love that comes as a result of contemplation and both of those are necessary relative to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We have to contemplate the greatness of a Kaddish Baruch in order to arouse in ourselves a feeling of love. But there's also a deeper, more essential connection we have with the Kaddish Baruch Hu because we have this thing called the Neshama, and that Neshama is essentially connected to the essence of God. And that's called de liba. That's called the love of the heart. Shabbat al yoda that through this level... A person can actually relate to the essence of God. And like For example, the connection of a child to a father. It's not based on intellect at all. We've talked about this so many times. It's always the Moshel used. Why does a child love their parent? Because they've come to the intellectual conclusion that their parents are worthy of their love. Of course not. That's absurd. I mean, it's just silly. If someone were to say that, you just call them a silly person. Why do they love their parent? Because they have an essential connection to their parent. It's their parent. I, it also has to resonate in their conscious reality. So therefore, they think about it. That's why when they're older, they have a greater appreciation of their parents than when they were younger. By definition, children have less intellect and more emotion right? The more, um, the more intellectual and sophisticated a person becomes, the less powerful their emotions are. That doesn't mean their emotions are worse. Other of their emotions are better. They're just less powerful on a certain level. Why? Well, because the nature of intellect is to temper emotion. That's why children who don't have as much intellect as adults, most adults, right? Have very powerful emotions. So they'll be unbelievably happy or unbelievably sad. Right? They will be jumping around like th- there's no tomorrow because you just told them we're going to go on holiday next week. And then when you have to tell them, oh no, we have to postpone it a week, they hit the ground crying and they're absolutely, it's, you can't consult. They're just match. That's a child. An adult. Oh, great. We're going away next week? Oh, that's exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. Wait, why aren't you jumping off the wall? What's wrong with you? Because you're an adult. That's not how adults emote. And then when the, when the, they get the news that they're going to have to postpone it a week, we can't go to... Oh, that's too bad. Oh, I was really looking forward to that. Okay, so, so we'll go next week. That's okay. Right? That's an adult. A child goes... Ah! Right? Okay, that's a child. Is that wrong? No, that's a child. That's what children do. That, why? Because they don't have any intellect yet. It's coming. The intellect is growing, but there's a their emotions are this big and their intellect is this big. Adults, hopefully, their intellect is this big and their emotions are this big. Not this big, meaning they're they're not sophisticated emotions. They just that's exactly what they are. They're more sophisticated emotions, so they express themselves in a more tempered way. Interesting enough, I'll be It really means the emotion is greater, but it's more tempered. Right? I just tell you guys the muscle, the 18 year old girls in Sam, right? When they're outside the classroom, which is you know, it happens. There's a lot of traffic in and out. Uh, bladder issues, it must be, because they're always in and out. out, and out. So, so, uh, so you, you, there'll be you know, few of them in the hallway. And then all of a sudden, you hear there's certain decibels of screams. There's ah and, ah and ah and ah and ah. You know, something like just that. So the last one is their sister just got engaged. That's like the highest. This one is their cousin got engaged. The absolute hysteria is their best friend got engaged because that's really ner- that makes them nervous already. Like you know, there's their sisters one thing because it's their older sister. Their the, the best friend just got engaged and that that like that's a scream that includes terror. There's both in it, right? With their sister, it's all just but they're screaming. They scream literally, ah, and they all jump up and ah, and you hear them out there, ah, and you go, okay, someone got engaged, and then then four other girls leave the classroom to go see what's happening. Right? fine, okay. That's their sister. Their mother. The, the, their sister came home and told their mother that she got engaged. What's their mother's reaction? No. Why not? Her mother, the mother doesn't love this girl as much as her sister does. She loves her more. There's no comparison between the love of a parent for a child and the love of a, a sibling for a sibling. So no comparison. Okay, fine. So, you notice know, in Bracius the parents and the kids seem to get along. Meaning, and even if they don't, it's really, really hard for the parent to send the kid away. Avram really doesn't want to send Yishmael away. Sarah, who's not the parent, says objectively, "Send him away." Avram really doesn't want to, right? Esav and Yaakov, right? Yishmael and Yitzchak—they're brothers, right? They—they—they could want to kill each other. It's not the parent-child relationship at all, okay? Yitzchak, Esav. Loves him, crazy about him, thinks he can elevate him and fix him. And he thinks that fixing can come through him. No, it has to come through Yaakov. Okay, that's what Rachel, that's what Rivka knew, and he didn't understand. The love of a parent for a child is incredibly powerful. Okay, so why isn't the mother jumping around all over the place? Because she's an adult, <laughs> and adults don't do that, except at sporting matches, where they start acting like children. But generally, adults don't do that. It's just. Not what adults do, okay. It's different between children and adults. So a child child loves their parent in a very, very powerful and essential way. It has to resonate in intellect in order for it to be expressed properly. The child will express it in a very beautiful way and run to the parent when the parent walks in the door and it's really nice, right? But the child will also say, Bad Tati, bad Tati. Right? Okay. Fine. Same kid. Five minutes later, you said, No, you can't have the chocolate. Bad Tati, bad Tati, and runs out of the room. Right? Okay. All of a sudden, Tati's the worst guy. Right? I understand. You just ran, and when Tati came in, you were over the moon with happiness. Kids. Right? Fine. Why? Because they're incredibly connected. Right? I'll, Derek, he's Kasha, so Ben, We're going to, we're going to stop in one minute ma'av pitam It's not based on intellect. The love of a child for a parent is not intellectual. It's essential. mavur musar. That even though it's explained in sifrei musar, and the Rebbe says sifrei musar, he doesn't mean books of the of what's called the Musr movement. He means books that discuss, you know, proper human behavior. The Rebbe is quoting Keybus El-Lavavis. Zalavavas. Chayiv lavavis is written seven hundred years before the Musr movement. In early Rishon with B'achim and Pekuda. The Sifra Musur, the the reason of Kivaravaim, that there's a mitzvah called Kivaraim to honor your parents. Shumi Shum Shemahila Mashkeva. That's because he feeds them and, and gives them the drink. I mean the parent takes care of the child, so the child should appreciate that. Right? So that's true. But Bakholza is nevertheless, Hari the love of the child for the parent, ain't It's not because of what the parent gives him but rather, he's one with him. It's a connection to the, the essence of the father, because the essence of the father and the essence of the son, the essence of the parent and the essence of the child are one thing. And that's why we see, sometimes you understand things from, you know, the negative reality, how hard it is to tear a child away from an abusive parent. Why doesn't the child want to leave this parent? Is abusive? Alpi we Why in the world? The, I mean, I'm talking about a, a, you know, an older child, a five year old. that doesn't know. An older child who intellectually can understand objectively that this is a negative relationship and they should have nothing to do with this person. Extremely difficult to take that child away from that abusive parent. Cause of some why? It's an essential connection. that it, you can't break. Intellectually, it's absolutely clear why these two should have nothing to do with each other. Right? But. It's very difficult for the child to do that because of the essential connection, even though the parent's abusive and sh- they shouldn't have anything to do with it. I mean, unfortunately, that's that happens. Right? But that's a, a in a negative sense. You see the power of the connection. Okay. So that's the muscle for us of leave, and the Rebbe will explain what that means in terms of our relationship with the Beis Boraku and how that explains Ravel. We'll see that tomorrow. We'll finish the Ma'amet tomorrow.